I'm laughing because, sorry, this is totally a tangent, but I see the Jurassic World popcorn bucket (laughs) that I got you for your birthday over your shoulder. Yeah, Yeah, it's right here. Uh, Let me see if I can, I can't reach it because I'm going to pull my my headphones off. Uh, uh, Yeah, it holds, uh, it holds toys for my kids. Sorry, it really made me laugh. It's totally worth it. And welcome to the 12th episode of Partial Recall, or hopefully the first one that anyone should actually listen to. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the hosts, and I'm here with my friend Yishai, the other of the hosts. Uh, Yishai, why don't you tell our smart listeners who are listening for the first time what this podcast is about? This podcast is about uh, movies we've seen as kids that we only sort of remember. So in the first half of the episode, we try to piece the plot together from memory, then we go watch the movie, and in the second half, we discuss what we got right, what we got wrong, and if the movie held up. And we've been using this as kind of a way to weed out which movies we are interested in showing our kids as we're building the canon of actual good movies from our childhood that we want them to experience. It's funny, on that thread, this type of movie, Executive Decision, The Three Musketeers that we talked about last week, like... This type of movie, I think, is the sweet spot for me where it's like, this is not a movie that people talk about, oh, I'm going to show this movie to my kids. Like, no yeah. one's like, my favorite movie is Executive Decision. I have a stealth bomber with Steven Seagal dying and it's tattooed on my forearm. <laughs> By the way, I basically just said everything I remember about the movie. <laughs> but, like, this movie, it'll be like it'll be really interesting for me to watch this movie and see, like, oh, you know, the movie's actually better than I remember. Like, that movie's actually worth including you know it's like okay it'll be fun to do home alone or whatever eventually but like right. obviously we're gonna show our kids home alone and like uh this yeah is, this is like this t- sort of movie the one where we really like we don't really remember it maybe other people remember it you know, I, I get a feeling you really remember this movie. yeah so i don't know how we'll get into it but like to me this is like pantheon level like speed die hard 2 in particular and executive decision were like a one of a few of a handful of movies that like are rated action movies that are like as big a part of my childhood as like Disney movies or like, you know, like the mighty De- well, I guess it's a Disney movie, but like stuff like that, where it's like, it felt at, as much of piece of like the important kids movies. Like the, like this is one of those action movies that like I loved and was like a clean R because the R was very much just like terrorists getting shot. And like my parents were like, yeah, who cares? Uh, Right, like nothing Clean like or just murder. Yeah, like like they probably say shit a lot. There's probably not like a bunch of like really like uh, bad curse words that like are gonna you know corrupt my brain. And there's not like sex and nudity, so it was like a very like straight ahead, just like a lot of just like machine gun fire type there's, type stuff. There's no sex and nudity in this movie. I think there might be like a, a gag of like people in like the Mile High Club, like in the middle of like a terrorist attack. Seems like that, probable. That could be or a like thing. just like there's a mechanic in the movie, and like you see his posters like on his wall, just like oh, lady posters. Maybe, yeah. But the point is uh, like not like actual like you know penetration. 
It's not like three musketeers level horny. <laughs> That's true. But we didn't remember that three musketeers was three musketeers level horny. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I've been watching Beauty and the Beast a bunch. The uh, uh, animated one? The animated one with my daughter who's obsessed with it. Um, that movie also is shockingly horny. Oh. Uh, there's a lot of like very busty women in that movie. Well, that was like, uh, you know, like that's like a, that was the era of like when like they were like drawing secret dicks into everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like where they drove non-secret boobs into everything, right? And like Lumiere rapes like um like a feather duster that's a French maid. Okay, that movie is actually pretty fucked up. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd have to revisit it because like not because of all the things people say. The thing that's really fucked up about that movie is the witch is like Prince, you're a bad guy. So I'm going to curse you to become a beast. And also all of your servants are going to become household objects. And unless you get fixed, all of your <laughs> servants are stuck forever. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Anyway, stepping back out of this, Beauty and the Beast, yeah. one of the more canonical movies. Obviously, I've already showed it to my kid. I'm sure your kids have already seen it. They actually haven't. We haven't really? done like – so, yeah, we haven't done super classic Disney animated movies. I don't know why. We've done like – Rookie of the Year, Mighty Ducks, Big Green. So, like, that kind of, like, category of, like, you know, feel-good sports movies. And then we watch all the new Disney animated movies that came out. I don't know why, but we've never done, like, the real, like, well, we've done, we've watched the live-action well, Aladdin. and then You're not even necessarily watched. talking about real class. You're talking about the Disney Renaissance movies. Yes. The 90s Disney movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we've done all the 90s, like, all of the Renaissance movies. So Little Mermaid, Aladdin... She didn't like Aladdin. Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. We've done all of this. Yeah. And then we've also done the actual classics. So Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, Snow House White. House Wonderland. Snow White she's not into for some reason. Huh. Uh, Lady and the Tramp. Uh, Lady and the Tramp, which uh, she wanted to stop watching before the Siamese Cats came on, which was good because I didn't want to have to explain that. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, speaking of things that you have to explain, have you showed her uh, the animated Dumbo? No, uh, we keep asking her if she wants to watch it, and she says no. But you know what movie we watched recently that she really likes? This is like again, we're very far afield. We watched the the remake of the Jungle Book, the John Favreau oh. like CGI one. Yeah, and she, and she loved it. it. Oh, interesting. I was just gonna say that the Jungle Book. Uh, so and it's good. What for my brother's one of my brother's birthdays, a, uh, a friend of ours who was like very into like bootlegging movies, uh, like bootlegged the Jungle Book and like put like. Uh, stick like the stickers, like each letter on like the bootleg VHS, like the Jungle Book, and that was like one of the only like VHS we owned. So I watched uh, the Jungle Book a lot, the animated one, obviously, because you know I wasn't a kid like In six years ago. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I loved that movie. Um, have you showed her the the animated one yet? No, I don't know why Megan showed her this one first, but she did. And I'll tell you, like, I watched it. Thematic uh, and like intense for for someone her age now. Like, it is good. So, where it got intense is the snake. Yeah. Carl turns herself up as the snake. She was like kind of wringing her hands. uh, And she was like, I don't like it. I don't like it. But then she kept doing this thing where when it finished, she's like, I want to watch the snake again. And then we would watch the snake again. And she would be like kind of scared during it. Um, It reminds me a little bit of Fablemans, which was great, and you should see it. And now I'm going to pull us out of the tangent. Yeah. Just 
like hard yay. Exactly. It's not just segue. I'm making an executive decision. We're going to talk about executive decision. Yeah. Okay. No, that was good. That was uh, good. Uh, you know, semi-relevant uh, banter. All right. Executive yeah. decision. Um, so what are some facts? Some facts. This movie was uh, released March 15th, 1996. Uh, it was directed by Stuart Baird, who I did look up because I didn't want to make the mistake of calling him a nobody. And then I think actually you said this in the last podcast anyway but um i didn't want to make the mistake of calling him a nobody and then it turns out he's like someone yeah his was his directorial debut he only directed three movies total he did u.s marshals and then like one of the star trek movies uh he was a famous editor before this he did probably have star trek movies yeah uh huh. in 2002 huh. first contact oh, maybe nemesis nemesis okay sure one of the um, yeah He's edited over 30 major motion pictures. So that's what he was known for. He also U.S. Marshals, a sequel one. to The Fugitive, correct? I think so. I remember there was a sequel to The Fugitive. Another candidate. Maybe Tommy next time. Jones. Probably not next time. It's- that's going to be one I really don't remember. Uh, but yeah, we could do that. Uh, I'd be happy to do that next. We could figure it out. Okay. So uh, it was his directorial debut. Uh, it was released by Warner Brothers. It has a running time of 133 minutes, and it stars Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal. We've already kind of like, you know, called out that he is a false star in this movie. Halle Berry, a very young Halle Berry. I'm not exactly sure where she is in her career, but certainly on the earlier side. Uh, John Leguizamo, Oliver Platt, which is how we got here from The Three Musketeers. Uh, Joe Morton, who isn't Joe Morton the guy from, uh, yeah, he's the guy from Speed. He's the uh, he was like the the police chief. Yep. Um, uh, David Suchet, who is the uh, terrorist, and then B.D. Wong. So B.D. Wong, Joe Morton, Oliver Platt, John Leguizamo, Kurt Russell are all on the team uh, to foil the terrorist plot. Uh, And the movie had a budget of fifty five million dollars, pretty high budget, uh, and Mm -hmm. had a box office of one twenty two. So not like a huge hit. 56 domestic Oof, yeah which makes it kind of a bump because i i think you you figure the studio gets about half of the domestic gross and less than that of the international right and then you also figure that the budget is usually like doubled for um publicity right or something thereabouts yeah so not great not great uh which i guess we will see if there's a reason for um there's no executive decision yeah. Uh, so those are the facts about the movie. Um, March 15th, 96. Let me do some quick math. That makes us uh, 10, 10 or 10, 10. 10. We were turning 10. 11 that year. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So when did you see this movie? So this was not a theater movie, but I remember just like loving it so much. I feel like we went to West Coast Video and like, Remember when Avi was like, said he kept like taking out the same movie and then from Blockbuster and they're like, oh, it's this kid again. He wants to take out heavyweights. This was like one of those for me where like we didn't, we didn't own a copy of it, but I saw it so many times and like I saw it in like the 96 era, right? So it wasn't going to be like playing on TV and like an edited version. So like I must have just kept telling my parents we have to go like rent it again from West Coast Video and I, I watched it a bunch. Um, I just remember it like, ri- like ripping. You know, like like a really like fun action movie. So I remember watching this movie in on pay per view on a sick day. Okay, nice. Along with Broken Arrow. 
Ooh, what a great Which double I feel feature. Like a very similar movie. Yeah. That uh, is also in that um in that grouping of like rated R action movies that like I definitely watched. Uh also like Face Off would be one of those. Yeah. Um, we we gotta figure out how to we gotta do face off. Yeah. That's yeah, we gotta do that. So yeah, I definitely watched this on a pay-per-view. Uh there were I watched so many movies that way. Like um, Homesick, renting paper. Yeah, like Homesick or like my convince my parents to let me. Uh I distinctly remember that I watched the first sequence of Scream as a kid on pay-per-view, and it was so scary that I turned it off and I <laughs> Until I just watched this movie like six months ago, believed Drew Barrymore was the lead of the movie. <laughs> she was the Steven Seagal of, of Scream. Correct. I did and not even get up to the part where they Seagalled her. That's funny. Um, that's I, really I was, funny. I was I was too scared. I was like, nope, this is too scary. I'm like home alone watching this movie. Like, did not your, happening. Did you have to like tell your parents like call like Time Warner or whoever and like get a refund? Like my ask, him, ask them how that's allowed. <laughs> um yeah that's funny okay that's a good way to watch it Uh, i definitely saw this movie at home that sort of situation it might have been it might not have been a homesick i did i think get get to occasionally do pay-per-view rentals when my parents were going out and we were like didn't have a babysitter oh yeah there wasn't time to go to blockbuster it was like oh you can do the pay-per-view that makes sense but it was more expensive than the blockbuster yeah, I feel like it was. We talked about this previously, and you're like, no. And I was thinking about like hotel rentals, but um, yeah, it probably was somewhere between the three dollars of a blockbuster and the twenty dollars of yeah. a hotel. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it wasn't a movie that you you like revisited a bunch. No, I have seen it the one time. Okay, good. Well, perfect. Yeah, and I was like, you were like, I'm very excited to talk about this movie, and I'm like, I'm not going to remember a lot about this movie. And you're like, I got it. So, Fine. Let so me get tell into you what it. I remember. Yeah, what do you remember? There's like maybe some terrorist activity on an airplane that's hijacked. Yeah. Um, and Kurt Russell has to go help them. <laughs> I think he's not already on the airplane. It's not like right. a, a Sandra Bullock in speed situation. He's more of a Keanu Reeves. Yes. But instead of having to board a bus, he has to board a plane. And he's maybe on. I don't even remember how they board the plane. Yeah. Do you uh, want me to like jump in? No. You but can I'm just... sure it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I remember is that Steven Seagal dies very early because I'm pretty sure it was the first time I'd ever seen a Steven Seagal movie. And I was like, I've heard about this guy. <laughs> I've heard about this guy. <laughs> He's like so badass, right? Like, and then I watched this movie and he dies. He dies. And it's just like, oh, he's not that badass at all. Um, that's funny. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I remember. Do you want to like take a stab at like what happens? Yeah, so I'm gonna guess that um, Kurt Russell uses a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, You're like, not, by the way. Far uh, wait, off. I do have to guess. I'm gonna look at the IMDb really quick just to see who's in the movie. I'm gonna tell you which character I think is gonna use a cell phone. Um, maybe Oliver Platt's character uses a cell phone. Um, that seems the most likely. Uh oh. I'm just now seeing that the name of the bad guy is El Sayed Jaffa. Oh, yeah. Cool. These are, these are your, your very uh, classic Muslim terrorists. Uh, um, it's yeah, not so subtle. 
is it a passenger plane or is it a like a different type? No, it's a passenger plane that gets hijacked. Um, at the end of the movie, I imagine Kurt Russell lands the plane uh, by himself. That's my prediction for how this movie ends. I genuinely have no idea. Okay. All right. Is that is that the extent that's, of that's your... That's where I'm going to go. That's the okay. extent of what I remember. Okay. So here's... Let me try to fill in I some told gaps. you, I barely remember it. <laughs> Let me try to fill in some gaps for you. Okay. So there is a passenger plane. It takes off. I was right. <laughs> takes off. You know, people are are you know, on the plane, I'm sure there's probably like a speed type thing where like, there's someone who's like scared to be flying. And there's like, maybe like people like hooking up in the bathroom, you know, regular plane stuff. And, um, shortly into the flight, uh, a, a number of terrorists stand up. I think they have guns. This is like pre nine 11. So like you, anyone could just bring a gun onto a plane. Um, and I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> um, <laughs> And they're like, we're taking over this plane and there's bombs on this plane. There, it, so here's the thing, right? It's not just that they have the guns and like they rush the cockpit, which is obviously bad enough. They also have rigged the plane with bombs. Oh, of and, course. And so if the plane goes below 55 air miles. Not, not, knots. Not, is that what it is? Knots? <laughs> knots. Um, so, yeah. So Kurt Russell and his team, well, Steven Seagal and his team, I'm pretty sure. He's like billed as like, the leader of this team, they get in a stealth bomber. So this, uh, unfortunately, okay, as I was, yes, I, that's the stealth bomber. Okay, I knew. So there was I was pulling right. So the issue. So I, w- I would not have guessed this, but unfortunately, I blew it for myself when I was pulling up the poster for this movie. They basically they fly under the plane and they like, uh, like do like a tube that like connects like the top hatch of the stealth bomber into like the baggage hatch of the passenger plane. And I forgot like how they would just like get away with that. But basically it was a stealth bomber. So they couldn't pick it up on radar. Cause like there was like a terrorist in the cockpit. So this team comes and they go into the cargo hatch of the plane. Okay. They're like investigating. They see that it's like rigged with bombs and Oliver Platt is like, Oh, sorry. And they get is on Oliver the plane. Platt, uh, a passenger on the plane. No, he's, the he's the, bo- yeah, he's the bomb expert. Um, he's the bomb expert. Well, that is a change of character from his three musketeers character. Yeah, he's the bomb expert. Um, so basically, right when they like they they the tube that like connects. Does Steven Seagal just get sucked out of yes, the plane? Yeah, so they get oh, yes. they yes they, they they climb up the tube from the stealth bomber to the cargo hatch, and they're like Steven Seagal's like, all right, team, let's go. And then there's like, whoop, he just like gets sucked out of the open plane. You know what that's like. In the second G.I. Joe movie, um, the new Channing ones with Tatum, Tatum, yes, he dies at the very beginning of the movie. And in the original version of the script, apparently, I think this is right, he like died. They were like, they're killing the character. <laughs> and then they were like, no, Channing Tatum's really hot and really popular. He's really hot and both, he's both really hot and really hot right now. So they put him on uh, the poster just to and make no, no. people go. And they didn't kill him. They like brought him back to life midway through the movie. Oh. oh. Because they were like, because they could have like Steven not go for him dying. Well, they could they have didn't... Steven Seagal'd him, right? Where yes, like they that's put what him it was on the poster. Be. Yeah, they were going to Steven Seagal him, and then they Jesus. I don't know who's <laughs> another famous person who died and came back. <laughs> they could have Steven Seagal'd him, but instead they Jesused him. Um, it's also like the 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 new Suicide Squad, right? Where like there's a bunch of famous people in the beginning uh, storming the beach, and they all like get killed immediately. Correct. That happened. Okay, so Steven Seagal gets sucked out of the plane. Kurt Russell takes over. 
Um, so there's a team, right? Uh, oh, actually, I think maybe Joe Morton, the guy from Speed is the bomb expert. One of the guys gets injured and he like can't. And so Oliver, like he's relaying instructions at some point of like how to defuse the bomb to Oliver Platt. John Leguizamo is also like, I think I saw his name was like Rat. He's like very good at like wriggling through tight spaces. So like they sent him. So his parents named him Rat. <laughs> I think it's and his. He became uh, good at that. I think it's his like team nickname, uh, like the guy from Ocean's Eleven who like fit into. Ah, uh, okay. I'm, I'm looking at his name is Carlos Rat Lopez. His yeah. name is it actually? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So basically, they get on the plane, and so but it's not as simple as just like taking out the guys with the guns because there's like bombs rigged there. So. Kurt Russell, they, like, drill holes and they put, like, cameras. Kurt Russell eventually makes contact with Halle Berry, who is a stewardess on the plane. Mm. And he's like, you need to be my eyes and ears. And so she has to, like, sneak around and, like, call him from, like, the, you know, like, the galley phone or, like, whisper messages. Because basically they find – they discover that, like, aside from the terrorists who are carrying the guns, there is a passenger planted with a cell phone – who can trigger the bomb at any time. So if they rush the terrorists, he will blow the plane up. So that's the most nefarious cell phone usage. Yes. Yeah. On this podcast. Yeah. When you said well, cell phone, I, mean, I got I guess, really excited. I guess that also happens in speed. Is the cell phone not? No, there's no cell phone. There's no cell phone. Yeah. Right. Right. No, no, no. It's yeah. not. This yeah. Is, got it. So that is why they, while they're on this the plane. It's going to be like a heavier handed metaphor in this movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that, that's why they can't just like go in guns blazing and like take out the terrorists, right? So how so Kurt Russell's like Halle Berry, you have to like go up and down and see who might be like on a cell phone or something. And so she is like increasingly putting herself into like dangerous situations. Look for the distant fathers. Yeah. They might be on their cell phones. Yeah. Uh, and so ignoring like ignoring their kids' baseball games. <laughs> right. Right. Uh so while she's doing that. You know, like a bunch, there's a bunch of like close calls where she's like sending messages down to Kurt Russell and they're like, you know, casing the plane, figuring out the bombs. So I think like at some point there's a point where like there's like a, a red laser beam. I can't believe Steven Seagal just gets sucked out of the plane. <laughs> it's awesome. Doesn't that also happen? Oh, Samuel L. Jackson in uh, Deep Blue Sea. Correct. It, it, he survives a little bit longer, and then he's giving like a triumphant speech about how they're not going to lose to this shark, and then he gets <laughs> the eaten shark by the shark. And yeah. I remember watching that movie at home with my mom on a DVD. Yeah. And before he gets eaten, he's like giving the speech. I'm like, he's about to get eaten by a shark. <laughs> and then he gets eaten by the shark, and my mom's like, this movie is too stupid. I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> She's like, you predicted this? I'm not watching anymore. It's obviously it was like a trend at the time, right? So so I, I so basically like Halle Berry is like doing like recon for them and like putting herself in danger. There's a point at which there's like a red laser beam, and Oliver Platt, who's always chewing on a straw, slips it under the laser beam so that the bomb doesn't trigger. And then Halle Berry eventually figures out which terrorist, which passenger terrorist, and she writes it on her hand. And she flashes it to like a camera that Kurt Russell is like looking at. And then they're like, what are you doing? And then she has to like rub her hand really quickly. These are all details I remember. Eventually. You remember this movie so well. So good. It's so good. Uh, eventually with Halle Berry's help, they like defuse the bomb and then storm the terrorists. And then. This is your Rocky Four. Yeah. 
Oh my god, yes, I love this movie. It's so good. I'm so, and yeah, I haven't Kurt watched Russell, it. the Godfather of Soul. <laughs> I also I haven't seen it in so long uh, that I'm really psyched to see it. I'm pretty sure that like they they you know they storm the plane. The guy tries to trigger the bomb. It doesn't work. But then he like takes Halle Berry hostage. You know, and then like Kurt Russell has to like shoot shoot the hostage. I don't think that's what happens. I think they just like shoot the guy. <laughs> and then maybe to your point, like the the pilots get shot and like one of them has to lay on the plane i don't remember but there's no the, way they just have a normal landing the point is like they're in like the cargo hatch like doing like you know trying to like defuse bombs and halle berry is like kurt russell's like eyes and ears and then i think also kurt russell is like not supposed to be like steven seagal is supposed to be like the badass like leader i think kurt russell's more like there for like the plane like schematics like i think he's like supposed to be kind of like more of like a nerdy type and then he like becomes like kurt russell he becomes a kurt russell type yeah exactly uh so that's the movie it's awesome it's so good do kurt russell and halle berry get together Mm. in this movie like like kind of like the ending yeah probably i'm sure there's like is there a sandra bullock counter yeah yeah like let's get a let's i think so I think that's. I think definitely. So in the end, they get the terrorists. They yes. What were the What were the terrorists after? I'm Is scared. It just I'm a s- death to America situation. Yeah, I'm scared to guess. So let's just say, yeah, like very like stock, like you know, death to America or like liberate our, you know, something. They were very yeah, very straightforward, you know. Muslim terrorists. Uh, so great movie. I, <laughs> that's I'm, a good. That's a good connection. Very straightforward Muslim terrorists. Great movie. Ishai. <laughs> Put that on the back of the box. Um, yeah, that's that's my recollection. Son, really okay. fun movie. Should we look at the Should we look at the poster? Yeah. So I sent two posters. The first one you sent. Yeah. So the first one is, I think, the regular one. Um, so it's Kurt Russell's sort of floating head. Yeah. We got an, we got an orange sky. Yep. We got Kurt Russell's floating head. In the foreground, we have like the the shape of a stealth bomber that's just obscured. It's in darkness. The tagline says, five miles above the earth, an elite team of six men must make an air-to-air transfer for seven dollars. No, it's the seven. <laughs> in order to save four hundred lives on board a seven forty-seven. There are a lot. It's a big okay, hold on. I'm going to say this again. Yeah. Five miles above the earth, an elite team of six men must make an air-to-air transfer in order to save 400 lives on board a 747 and 40 million below. So they so have think, a dirty bomb on the Yeah, plane. I think it's like a nuke or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the point. It's a dirty bomb decision. And that's the executive decision. Ah, okay. I think I remember what the executive decision They is. have to blow up the plane in midair to save everyone down down below. Well, it would have been more impressive if I remembered it because you remember every detail. No, of I didn't remember that. I was pre- I was only predicting that once you set it off. I'm sorry, I stole your thunder. I just jumped right in there, but I did not remember that until you you yeah. teed it up for I'm, me, and I just I'm I just grabbed sure. it. And then Kurt Russell was probably like, "I'm not going to do that, sir." He makes the executive decision to ignore that executive decision yeah. that comes from the chief executive decision maker. Yeah, does the and president so, get involved? The president definitely gets involved. So I, yeah, so I think like that is why like when Joe Morton, if I'm right, is injured, it becomes like increasingly fraught. They're like the bombs guy is incapacitated. Like you can't do that. You have to just blow this plane up to save America. And Kurt Russell's like, no, like we can do this. Um, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. I that's why I gasped when you were like describing the poster and I read 
ahead and I was like 40 million lives below. Um, I was just doing the like, uh, I was doing the Job joke from Arrested Development where he's like, I'm the firstborn, sick of being second in line, always playing third, always coming in third place. There are four things I'm mad about. <laughs> That's how that poster reads to me. Uh, five miles above the earth, an elite team of six men. Okay, so yeah. So then to under the stealth bomber, mm-hmm. um, we see the six men sort of walking towards the the bomber, looking yeah. very cool. Um, Kurt Russell is wearing glasses, mm-hmm. so maybe that supports your nerd theory. Yeah. But he looks like Kurt Russell, so that kind of doesn't support your nerd theory. Oh, his hair is so oh. good. Yep. Uh, pretty jealous. Yeah. Uh, I got a haircut. On Friday, I noticed. I was going to call it out on the podcast. I was like, um, I was get while I was getting the haircut. He like he did the thing, you know. He sprayed my hair and then he was brushing it back. Yeah, I was like, like, oh, that looks bad. Like, don't do that. Like, there are windows here, man. Don't do that. (laughs) Uh, And then also, I was just like, should I just cut it all off? Is it time? Uh, I asked Megan. She said no. So I just uh, wear hats all times. I'm actually not wearing a hat today. You're not a shower. beanie guy. You're not a beanie guy right now. Yeah, I taken a shower, and when when you take a shower and then put a hat on, you get like a line. And so I just uh, you have to have hair to get hat hair. Okay, let's look at the UK poster. So the UK poster I just sent because it's the same exact poster except Steven Seagal is on it, and this is not just the UK poster. They had a Spanish language one like this, so there was very much like a. Okay, so on people. this poster, on this poster, it's actually it's almost as if the camera sort of panned left to right so on the first poster you only see sort of the right half of the stealth bomber and it's completely in shadow in this poster you see the middle of the stealth bomber behind it you see the wreckage what looks like a plane crash you have kurt russell's face half of his face on the left side and on the right side you have half of steven seagal's face but very different lighting um and um it says Kurt Russell, and then executive decision. It has the same tagline, and then executive decision. And then below executive decision, it says Steven Seagal yeah. as Colonel Travis. Yeah. That's what it said. So a it's number of other countries have Steven Seagal on the poster, which I I just sent it to you because I'm like, they're obviously trying to like, there was a, a time where they were trying to dupe moviegoers into like going for Steven Seagal. The US poster forewent that, but other countries... We're just like, no, Steven Seagal, this is how we're getting people here. Um, I mean, the, the image quality is so much lower on the one that you sent. It's like a much, 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 much brighter orange. Yeah. The image doesn't make as much sense. Um, it's the same tagline, though. Um, yeah, I just sent it just to show you the, the Steven Seagal of it. Uh, the first movie looks, the first poster looks like a much better movie than the second poster. Yeah. Agreed. I can say that conclusively. Agreed. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, VHS box? Yes. Okay. So what do we got here? Oceanic. That's the lost airline. Is that like, do they have, is that like, um, you know, like, um, five, five, five. No, you know, like in, you know, like Klondike five. Yeah. Like every phone number. Yeah. Oceanic air. That's a good question. That's something for you to research when you do the research for this episode. The main thing you're going to research on this episode is why Steven Seagal is dies in the beginning. (laughs) Cause I really want to know the answer to that question. Uh, and I feel like there is definitely an answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, at the top of the 
looking at the back of the box, the front of the box is probably it is the, same. the same as the poster. The back of the box says, if you like action adventure, this is the ticket. Joe Joel Siegel. Siegel. Yeah. Good morning, America. Okay. And then we have a picture of Kurt Russell sort of holding a, a silenced pistol in a smart Oxford shirt. Um, he's also wearing a smart Oxford shirt in another picture with like his collar popped uh, <laughs> and he's diffusing a bomb. It looks like with long haired Oliver Platt. Yes. And then below that we have the picture of the oceanic airliner and an explosion. It looks like one of the jet engines exploding or something. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now I'm going to read the box. Looking for excitement. You've made the right decision <laughs> in italics. <laughs> Producer Joel Silver adds to his string of hits and Stuart Bear, editor of Silver's Lethal Weapon and other action spectaculars, makes a memorable directorial debut on a movie faster than speed, more fun than Broken Arrow. Dude, come on. It's a little bit. We, that's, that's a quote. But the, that's amazing because those are the two movies we referenced. We, we also referenced Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Okay, but in this genre of movies. It's true. Uh, Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal, Halle Berry, John Leguizamo, and others in a heroic ensemble are on board for first-class thrills. The mission? Board a hijacked 747 in midair. Avoid detection. Locate and disable a hair-triggered nerve toxin Mm. bomb that could wipe out the U.S. eastern seaboard. Execute a split-second attack that overwhelms the terrorists and safeguards the passengers. Do it all without air-to-ground radio and do it before an increasingly jittery U.S. military blasts the airliner out of the sky. I hope there's a good movie on this flight in anti-terrorist operative quips. As it turns out, there's a great one. (laughs) Executive decision. Oh, no. This bodes badly for the quality of the movie. Oh, I think it's great. It's so cheesy. I, I think in the last episode... In the first half of the last episode, I mentioned that there's something I really like about the box, and then I don't say what it is. Yeah. Here's what it is, and it's true in this box as well. I love that the back of the VHS box is not just describing the movie. It is literally selling you the movie. Like, the expectation is you're you're picking it up in the store. You're going to read the back of the box. Like, oh, what's this? And this tells you to buy it. Like, this situation doesn't happen anymore. Right. Agreed. Um, is a is an element of, like this is exactly what you would read at Blockbuster. Yes, to make the decision of whether or not you should rent this movie. Obviously, it worked on you. You rented this movie. Yeah, it's true. You like would go up and down the aisles reading the reading the back of boxes and trying to pick the best one. Yep. Uh, Speaking awesome. of nerve toxin, where does this relate to The Rock, which is also about a nineteen ninety six nerve toxin man? Oh, I guess it was because uh, Broken Arrow was ninety six. So Stealth Bombers and The Rock was 96, Nerve Toxin. Well, Broken Arrow was also. Broken Arrow is like the term yeah, for like a, a, a like missing nuke, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot that. Uh, I just want to point out but, one more thing on this box, going back to like what I was and, one, was and was not allowed to watch. So on the bottom it says Rated R, Restricted. Uh, rated R for Violence and Brief Language. So this is like the sweet spot. Right, it is only violence, brief language. You yeah, know, people are very short with each other. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, like that's that's exactly right. Um, anyway, so what else did this bring back? Um, yeah, there are other planes that are going to shoot the plane down. It is not their decision to blow up the plane. I don't understand why they're not in tactical gear. 
look, Kurt Russell is a, a smart I work event. Do understand? That's right. I do. That's I think what happens. I think he's like in a tuxedo, and they like pull him out of whatever place he is, and he's like throw on like the jumpsuit and like run onto the stealth bomber. In what scenario does that make sense? Like. <laughs> He couldn't change in the car on the way to the airport. Oh no, man! There's time is a ticking. They're about to blow a plane out of this guy. Yeah, again, he's. It, we'll see. I think that's what happens. <laughs> that's it's. It reminds me of that scene in True Lies where Arnold is in the scuba suit and he gets out of the water and he unzips it. He's wearing a tuxedo under the scuba <laughs> suit. <laughs> but that at least makes sense because he's going to a black tie event. It's like uh, Richard Jefferson in the. Uh, uh, all-Star Weekend. Did you see that? No. He was uh, commentating on the game, and then they needed a ref, so he took off his suit, and he had a ref shirt underneath. And then in the third quarter, they needed another player, and he took off his ref's uniform. He was wearing the jersey, and then he played <laughs> That's the really game. Funny. Yeah. That's actually really funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that's what happens, by the way. Um, I may be wrong, but but o- I really am curious about Oceanic. Like, what if... What if like Oliver Platt also looks like he's wearing a tie? Yeah, I remember him being really sweaty, like a lot of flop sweat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> Should we watch the trailer? I predict that this movie has a very '90s trailer that is like not good, but let's see. In an age. Excuse me, sir. May I help you? When terrorism knows no boundaries. Are you saying nerve gas is on board? Yes, sir. There. I know you wrote the book on assaulting hijacked aircraft, but this is five miles above the earth. I don't think we have any other options. Who's this? 007. A life or death decision. I hope there's a good movie on this one. You can forget Washington. There's enough nerve agent here to wipe out half the eastern sea. The Pentagon is going to shoot us down. 47. Kurt Russell. I'm losing control of the airplane. Halle Berry, John Leguizamo, and Steven Seagal. Executive decision. Okay, it looks rad. Incredible. It looks, it looks so great. Good. It looks great. They actually do show Steven, Steven Seagal. Seagal giving himself up. But if you didn't know that, yeah. you would not assume that that's what's about to happen. Yeah. Um Kurt Russell is not even an anti-terrorist agent. He is like someone in the president's cabinet who is sent on the mission. In a tuxedo. I was right. Why is he even in a tuxedo at work? I think he was at, he was called out. He was like at a black tie thing and was called into the situation room. This movie also opens seemingly with an explosion. Yeah. In like a house similar to Speed. Yeah, or it's like, yeah, it's funny because actually, I was when I was looking for the back of boxes, I was I found the UK VHS box first, and remember how like they're so different, like they read like the speed one. So mm-hmm. the opening line of that one was like, "In an age where terrorism, you know, is rampant," and I was like, "Ugh, they always like make things sound so weird," and that was like the opening line of the narration of this trailer. So yeah, this trailer, if you just removed the narration, it works fully still as a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, what was like? Uh, there was like a nun, like shooting like a a rocket launcher into a a jeep at some point. You didn't we might have watched a different trailer. <laughs> no, that was in the trailer. It was I definitely. See, there. I did not see the rocket launcher nun. I'm scrubbing through now. 
rocket launcher none it's there man do i have to find it we can cut this out but it's there uh what minute let me see It also looks like the plane rips in half at some point. Yeah, so you were right about having to land it. Yeah, clearly I was right about having to. Kurt Russell is piloting the plane in the trailer. Clearly I'm right about that. Yeah, I also remembered very distinctly Kurt Russell like on Oh my God. It's not a nun. It's a priest. It's at 156. There's a priest with a rocket launcher. Okay. I knew it was someone like a frock, Um, like a black frock. Um, It looks like he blows up a car. Yeah. Which, again, this movie takes place in the air. So, yeah. Um, uh, I remembered also in the trailer, so when Kurt Russell's, like, on that, like, suspension wire, like, very, like, um, Mission Impossible, like, sliding himself under. This movie's so good. (laughs) I'm so excited to watch it. I do think I'm going to like this movie. Uh, Okay, so what do you think you gave it? Obviously, you gave it a 10. 10. Yeah. A 10. 10 blockbuster videos out of 10. Yeah. West Coast videos. Um, You lived in Philadelphia. What did I give? It's true. What did I give Speed? I must have given Speed a 10. I feel like I Speed was like a 10 and then was a 10 on rewatch. I'm going to go with that for this. I just, because also they they don't make movies like this anymore, right? Like I guess like somewhat for the better as far as like just being very stock about like who terrorists are huh. but it doesn't like you're not saying movies like this where there's muslim terrorist bad yeah. guys you're saying movies like this where speed doesn't have a muslim terrorist bad right. guy and it is also a movie like this you're yes it, jokes aside you, that is not what you're saying yeah uh no just like just there, this was this was the straightforward dumb action movie. This was like the golden age for that, right? We named a bunch. There's also like Con Air, like there's a lot of airplanes too. Con Air, Air Force One, uh, uh, yes. Broken Arrow. Air Force One is the one with Harrison Ford where he's the president. He's on he's Air like, Force One. Yeah, he's like get off he's my like, plane. Get off my plane. Yeah. <laughs> great movie. I um, saw the movie with my grandmother, and she was <laughs> horrified. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, she was like, why does he want him off the plane? She uh, was like, we used to be a country or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, but like, do they make like what is the modern version of this movie? I'm trying to think. I mean, Marvel movies—they're on a version of every type of movie. <sighs> Everything and just got like amalgamated into. No, a I mean movie. Top Gun. This there's Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it's, but that's a remake of an old or a sequel to a really sequel. old movie. Um, are there just like straight ahead, just like blow shit up action movies? Sort of the the more sci-fi, higher concept Christopher Nolan movie. So there's two movies that I really liked from the 90s. But yeah, they're not as dumb. They're not as dumb. I don't think they make anymore. So there's these kind of action movies and there's like adult like thrillers. Like the game. Thrillers they fully don't make anymore. Yeah. By the way, did you play the box office game today? I haven't played today. I oh sorry, I started, and you know another friend also sent that you and him both got uh, the first one blind, and I, I'm pissed that I didn't. I got it at one sixty. Um, the, the third movie in this one, you're going to read the tagline, and you're going to be like, "Oh, I know what that is," and then you're going to look at actor number one, and you're going to be like, "Well, oh, I really know what that is," and then you're going to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, this is bad podcasting because I'm describing something that won't make any sense to a listener. Yeah, uh, but I don't want to spoil it. Okay, uh, I have three yeah, of them. No, I don't have three or four yet. That, but you've revealed actor number one yeah. of three. Mm-hmm. It's Michael Douglas. Yeah, and the tagline. 
the tagline and you, is. And you didn't guess the game? Yeah, well, because I re- reveal the genre and it's comedy, drama, romance. So, Correct. <laughs> like, but that tagline and that actor, it's like so clear. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the game. But that movie was great. So like the game, uh, uh, Arlington Road. Um, Arlington Road, yeah. Like movies like that also like were great, like adult thrillers. They were so at, good and they don't make movies my, like that anymore. I've seen no 2023 movies yet. I'm looking at my 2022 movies list. Uh, Avatar. Kind of a dumb action movie. Yeah, but it, uh, it's like a like a sci-fi, sci-fi it's animated or like CGI, whatever. Like uh, Prey. Prey was actually pretty close. What's that? Because it's a, but it's a sequel to Predator. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't think it's a genre that they think is profitable anymore. So they don't make movies like this. Or if they do, it's like action comedies, like Twenty One Jump Street, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and even that's been a while. Yeah, The Gray Man came out twenty twenty two. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch that. Actually, you know what? The Gray Man probably is number one. uh, Makes me hypocritical because I'm like, this looks dumb. I'm not watching this. I never watched it. But I think that's why, like, people. No, The Gray Man is is not as good as Executive Decision. I can predict that. So the true actually, uh, like, uh, heirs to this kind of thing are like all the new, like, Mission Impossibles, all the new Bonds. Um, but those are like have a certain kind of like cool, yeah, but they have a, also the, like the way they're making them have like they have like a coolness to them that these don't like a reality. Are, they like they have a reality. You're not a Arnold Schwarzenegger punching through a wall or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know they do they have like what was it, like that uh, like the three like the three five five is that what it was called with like uh, you know where like those like all like the badass like women. Uh, Anti-terrorist operatives. Is that what it's called with Jessica Chastain? Uh, you're thinking of Zero Dark Thirty. No, no, no. She's in like a new action one. Oh, you're thinking of Molly's Game. <laughs> no. She's in a movie called Alien. It is literally called The 355. I was right. Uh, it did not do well. When a top secret weapon falls into mercenary hands, a wild card CIA agent joins forces with three international agents on a mission to retrieve it. Like that is this ish. Like that would be the kind of. Yeah, but all of these movies have to make more sense, right? Like you think about, I think it's, it's almost like the Jason Bourne effect. Yeah. Right. So like, remember the James Bond movies pre Jason Bourne were all like funny and like, right. He was suave assassin. And then you get Jason Bourne and you're like, no, no, no. If you're an assassin, you have to be kind of tortured and you have to be like really tactical all the time. And like you're always on. And then you get the Daniel Craig Bond movies, which I love, but they're much more realistic. Right. This sort of like unrealistic, quippy, but violent action movie. This right. particular narrow genre. is that. Right. Anyway, so you gave this movie a 10 as a kid. You're going to give it a 10 now. Yeah, it's going to be I, awesome. I mean, I, I, I'm excited. I think I'm going to give it a 9. Yes. I'm excited to see this movie. Um, yes, I'm like, uh, it's not bad pop podcasting if people don't see me pumping my fist. So I, when you said I, a 9, I pump my fist. I genuinely believe I'm going to give this a 9. Like I, I have a hard time imagining that I'm going to come back and be like, what did you like about this movie? I'm giving it a 4. Like I just I It's just very clear imagine. what is to like about this movie, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so fun. So I'm I'm going to go a ten because I'm psyched. You're giving it a nine. Um, mm-hmm. I as much as I want to show this to my kids, I just feel like they're not going to be. Maybe my daughter. Maybe my daughter. Um, yeah. Do you think they can handle it? 
my uh, eight-year-old, my four-year-old is just going to leave the room. Uh, my eight-year-old, I think, won't be able to handle it. And I'm wondering about my daughter because she's starting to get into like uh like mystery movies like she we watched the enola holmes movies i said she just recently watched um uh knives out and she really liked it she liked knives out yeah uh she asked us to watch glass onion and we're like we just watched it like a month ago like we're you know like we will watch it with her eventually but like it was like one night she's like we watched glass onion like i watched it like two weeks ago i didn't like it like that much i need to like go watch it again uh but we'll watch it eventually but no she's she's getting into like i guess like more like mysteries than thrillers um but i i might float this by her and see if she wants to watch it all right we're gonna go watch it it's gonna be great we're very psyched for it see you on the other side And now I start. And now you start with uh, your bullshit story. I, I have bullshit today. Uh, so the other night we were we were playing. We'd never. The important part of the story. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without spoiling the story. As far as we know, she had never heard this song before. Okay, so you just. I don't want to say what song it is. Okay. okay. So we were playing the other night. We're dancing and running around and doing puzzles and whatever we do on a regular night, right? And we often have our um, smart speaker uh, play music for us, right? And if she knows how to control it. She loves doing that, all of that, right? So yeah, so she knows how to how to control it, all that. So Meg, Meg goes goes uh, Alexa, and I'm whispering Alexa because I don't want it to hear me. Uh, play single ladies, and then just like, and then as far as we know, she never heard this before. She just throws up her hands and goes, "Single ladies," and then just starts running around the room. Like, the world's biggest Beyonce fan. That's very adorable. It was really, really funny. And like, we're just like, where does she know that song from? You're now you've just discovered that at daycare, the uh, the, the like teacher has been having them like practice the single ladies dance all year, and that's going to yeah. be like the the like grand finale of the school year. You're going to come. She's going to be doing like the hand thing. Yeah, she's dressed in a bee costume, probably. Yeah, um, yeah, really hilarious, hilarious. That's very cute. That's um, good. Uh, all I did last night was uh, watch the end of the Sixers game instead of editing this podcast, and then I stayed up too late editing. Uh, do you think? I'm tired. Do you think we can get a sponsor for this podcast? Like maybe this specific episode could be sponsored by Roman, since we both got ED this week. Oh, I like it. See, that would have been a good ad read. But you have to clarify that when I say we both got ED this week, I mean, we watched Executive Decision. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We did that too. Uh, so a bunch of coincidences around uh, our ED this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we should do a Roman ad about Executive Decision. Speaking of, should I recount the plot of Executive Decision? Yeah. Tell okay. tell us the plot. There's, so you there's... actually, you were really spot on. There's not a ton extra to say. I was spot on about everything that happened on the plane. There is an opening that is not the plane. And then there is an ending about crashing the plane, which you predicted. It was obvious. Yeah. Uh, but everything that happens up and 
was right about. You were, yeah, there were, so I wrote down the things you didn't get right as I, I took a lot of notes as I was watching the movie. Um, okay, so the movie opens, fuck, I just watched this. The movie well, okay, opens so, with uh, a famous terrorist Kong? getting kidnapped and Correct. then another terrorist so opens, watching it. it the, yes, exactly. It opens with a terrorist getting getting kidnapped and it seems like he's maybe getting taken in by like US agents. It's not yeah. super clear. It's shot as if it's a flashback, um, like it's got like sepia tone, and it includes a priest using a rocket launcher to shoot a car. Sorry, we we missed the actual opening. That is the second scene. The first scene is Steven Seagal and the team raiding the house looking for the nerve gas. Okay, okay. So, okay. Starting over. <laughs> the movie opens. Steven Seagal and his team are raiding a house. Steven Seagal does not do tactical sneaking very well. He kind of just yeah. stands upright and walks around. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that he was an action star. He really doesn't look like he should be, but okay. I had no recollection of this scene at all. It's a fairly lengthy scene. You get to know all the characters. They raid the house. They shoot. Yeah, so it's, it's his team, which includes BD Wong and his unfortunate haircut. Uh, John Leguizamo, uh, Joe Morton, some other guys uh, and Steven Seagal, one of the guys, so they, they're storming this house on some intelligence that there is like a nerve, that there's some material there. I don't know if they specifically say it's I think they said it's like a missing nerve gas. And yeah, they're, you know that they're, yeah. they're trying to find this, this missing nerve gas. They get to a room that is empty. That is obviously a room that nerve gas would have been in somehow. Like, and, and they're like, ah, oh, they got here first. And also one of our team members died. And so they're like upset. Later, it turns out that Steven Seagal is upset that they went there because it seems like they went there on bad intel and they lost one of their guys. That's the opening. And then I have to. Are you going to do the credits? Because if you don't do the credits, I have to address the credits. Okay. Do, yeah, the credits open. Sorry, the credits open on some Minecraft bullshit. Yes. Like really pixelated satellite imagery of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it gets clearer and clearer yeah, as and the credits. The mission. That's right. Yeah. And I wrote down the beginning of this looks like Minecraft. I also wrote down. Grappling hooks are cool because they use grappling hooks to like get into the yes. uh, house where all this stuff is. Okay. I just thought the credits were important because it reminded me of the speed credits that they were both very nineties where like the speed was like more like nineties graphics. This was more like nineties, like computer technology, which comes and up then, a lot in this movie. And then, yeah, so whew, that's in my notes. And then we see, um, we see an abduction of this terrorist and it's maybe intercut with Steven Seagal flying in a plane. And not Steven Seagal, Kurt Russell flying in a plane. I'm not sure the order of these two things. It I doesn't think, really matter. I think the second scene is actually Kurt Russell at that benefit wearing a tuxedo. And then no, he gets, that's, no, that's later. That's definitely later. They don't tell that story in the situation no. room. No, 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 no. Okay. I, I'll, 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 okay. It's definitely later. Okay. Let me, cause now I actually know it better than you. Yeah. I think uh, well, there's, we'll get to a part where I don't know it better than you and I'll explain why. And, It'll maybe be a spoiler. Um, okay. So Kurt Russell is taking flying lessons. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's like very clearly like a fuddy-duddy, very fussy. Like he's kind of a nebbishy guy in this airplane. He needs his instructor to do everything for him. Um, he's like, and, what am I forgetting? And yeah, what am I forgetting? I need to just fly, fly the plane. Yeah, just fly the plane. Anyway, so he's flying this little plane. And then he – and then it's either – shot together or separately but we see the other terrorists get captured it's not clear by who and it is shot like a flashback like it's it's weird yes. sepia tone 
And it includes like small clips of things happening, including a priest with a rocket launcher blowing up a car. It is never clear why that is being done, what that person's relationship is to the plot to kidnap this terrorist. It just looks cool. So two connections. Number one, we talked a lot about like papal stuff in the Three Musketeers episode. So there's that connection. And number continuation of the Valtellina War. (laughs) Yes. And the other thing is that, yeah, it's like Italy. Like it's all churches there, right? So like there's a phrase. It's like shorthand for Italy. I'm not even sure that that guy was supposed to be in Italy. But anyway, oh, right. yes. That's true. You're, you're right. You're right. It's a priest, and that's how we know it's in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> you're either a terrorist or a priest. <laughs> priest. Uh, yes. The other people who attack him are a pizza chef. Uh, no. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway. Um, and then we cut back to Kurt Russell. He's about to go up in the plane by himself for the first time. And someone drives onto the tarmac in front of his plane, holding a cell phone out the window, and is like, Kurt, Dr. Grant, you need to come with us, but he's yep. they're holding a cell phone. So then they bring him back to their office. Don't worry. In my notes, I have it say cell phone with a ton of exclamation points yeah. when that happens. Yeah. Um, they bring him back to the office. Um, and in the office, they've got all those like spinning tape machines. And they're like, this guy, you were right. You predicted this was going to happen. This guy got taken and everyone and everything that you predicted is going to happen is happening. And he's like, cool, I've got to go to a fancy gala. And then he goes to the fancy gala. They didn't pull him out of the fancy gala for... Oh, they pulled him off the airfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pull him off the airfield because the guy gets kidnapped. They pull him out of the gala because the plane gets hijacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's not even entirely true. He goes to the gala and he meets a lady and his pickup line there is, so do you like hockey? Yeah. And she's like, I love hockey. And he's like, I have two tickets. And then he gets interrupted from picking up this lady. But in between those two things happening, um, a terrorist blows themselves up in London. In like the Marriott London. Yes. A famous, the famous Marriott London. Uh, he blows himself up. And he does not say Allah Akbar. Or does he? Wait. I'm pretty sure he does. I wrote it down every time it happens. No, he says, listen to the sound of Altar. Oh, okay. Which is the other guy's name. But also I was like, oh, maybe they're just not going to do, they're going to like subtly allude to it. I was like, maybe this movie will be 90s tasteful. Yeah. It's not, listener. Spoiler alert. Well, Um, okay. okay. So, so, okay. So then that guy blows himself. And, uh, okay. And then... Kurt Russell gets pulled into the situation room and a plane is hijacked. Like all of these things are happening concurrently. When that guy blows himself up, they're in the midst of hijacking the plane and another terrorist in like the tube in London plays a recording that says like, if you don't release Mm. this guy. That's right. You have to release the guy that was taken or we're going to blow up this plane plane with all of these passengers. Got it. And remember when they take the plane, you were right that that they just bring guns on, but they yeah. like bring them disassembled. But then also there's just like an AK-47 behind all of the food. Yeah. And they never explain how that got there. There's not like, there's not, no. one of those flight attendants isn't in on it. No. And I, my note here just says, 
whoa, do they always keep an AK-47 behind <laughs> the piece of food? It's like when they run out of a certain kind of meal and the people get mad about it, they just pull out the AK-47. They're like, you'll take the vegetarian meal. Okay, so here's the one detail that you definitely didn't call out in the first half. Tom Smikowski from Office Space. Oh, yeah, is the is air marshal. marshal. Is an air marshal on board this plane. I forgot about the air marshal. I have a note uh, that says I forgot about the air marshal. And he goes, so you see... It would be this mat with different conclusions written on it that you could jump to. It's a jump to conclusions mat. Yeah, I forgot he was in office space. Uh, I just remembered him from this movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the well, U.S. Marshal. I mean, if we did office space, it would be obnoxious because I, I literally recorded the audio of office space, put it on my iPod before the iPod video existed. And just used to listen to the movie Office Space all the time. That was before podcasts existed. That was right. the, the OG podcast. The original podcast. podcast was I had recorded the movie Office Space and I listened to it. Um, okay. So, okay, fine. Ba, 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 ba. So they take control of the plane. Oh, in the situation room, by the way, uh, Steven Seagal is like talking shit to this general the whole time. And he's saying... That nerd, Kurt Russell, is the guy who gave us the wrong intel about the nerve yep. gas being there. And Kurt Russell's yep. like, it was there. You guys were too slow. Yep. Uh, yeah. So Kurt Russell shows up and he – so on to the movie's credit, on his way, he's like, can I get out of this tux? And they're like, it's a rush. He does yeah. – multiple times try to get out of the tuxedo so like the movie um, is aware that it's ridiculous that he's wearing a tuxedo i also think it was reverse engineer that they wanted to have him in a tuxedo just so john leguizamo could say well, who is this 007 which is great that's funny yeah. um the president we both thought that the president would be there and that the president was the executive of the executive decision the president is just mysteriously on vacation in europe that feels yeah. like a subplot of this movie that got dropped yeah, they were like, oh, we have to. Uh, and one of the guys in the Situation Room, I know you didn't watch Scrubs, but one of the guys in the Situation Room is Dr. Kelso. And I only know him as Dr. Kelso and seeing him in like a military uniform, like in the same voice from Scrubs, where he's like, we have to stop this plane. I'm like, what the hell? This is terrible <laughs> casting. Like, this guy should not be in this movie. Um, yeah, um, very distracting. Yeah, it's funny that like in that. OK, so he goes to the Situation Room. He's trying to explain the situation to them. Um I believe he predicts that the gas is on the plane in the situation room. Yeah. And then it's like, we can't let them here to negotiate. They want to land at Dulles Airport in D.C. So we cannot let them come here and land because they have this gas. As soon as they get into airspace, they're going to blow up the plane and it's going to get nerve toxin all over the eastern seaboard or all over D.C. It'll destroy D.C. Okay. So then Steven Seagal is like, I have an idea. And they're <laughs> like, you have an idea. That's good. You wrote the book on – you. You wrote the book on assaulting hijacked aircraft. Yeah, but like, not five miles in the air. That's what someone yeah. says. So so the, the thing I want to first know is like, can I read that book? <laughs> is that available on Amazon? <laughs> Even Seagal wrote a book. Well, they, they did just release uh, in real life, uh, like the Scott Lang from Ant-Man uh, memoir. Like that's, I don't know if you know that. It's like a tie-in. So like, they should have done that with Steven Seagal's book on anti-terror. How it's like that should have been an actual tie-in. They should have got a ghostwriter, and it should have been like Steven Seagal's face on the cover. Uh, let Steven Seagal write it himself. It doesn't need a ghostwriter. That's true. Uh, they paid him to be in ten minutes of this movie. Um, okay, so 
his idea. Here's what we can do. There's this technology, there's this type of plane that Oliver Platt designed that is made for boarding other planes in altitude. And then they call Oliver Platt on the most incredible janky ass 1990 shit video (laughs) conference ever. I wrote proto zoom browser window in like Netscape or something. Uh, they close line sweeper and they're like, let's call this guy. Yeah. And so that guy is like, he's like, yep, we can do it with a passenger plane. It'll work. So they're like, cool, let's do it. So then they go and they get in this plane. Well, then there's anything super important that happens on the well, way there. Steven Seagal says, I want Kurt Russell with ah, me. Correct. And I couldn't tell, was that like a punitive thing or he actually wanted his intel? I think it's a little bit of both. So I think he's like, I kind of want to make this guy come because if his intelligence is bad again, I want him to be up here for it. But also we'll need him to recognize the terrorists. Oh, right. Yeah. Because no one's seen these guys. Um, and then, okay. So they go uh, to the airport. They go They're like the, way too much gear. Oliver Platt's like, you're going to weigh down this plane. So you have to get rid of all the gear. They talk about gear so much in this movie. <laughs> They're gearheads, man. They're like a, a gear team. It's actually kind of like my main conversation topic about the movie. So let me finish the pot. We'll talk about the gear. Put a pin in the gear. <laughs> um, okay. So then then they, they get on this plane. They, they fly up to the other plane. They put up the tube. They board. He needs Oliver Platt to go up onto the plane first to like do the coupling. He doesn't want to. Oliver Platt insists he has to. He wants to send his guy. And Oliver Platt's right. like, right. we have to create a stable chamber and I'm the only guy who could do it. Okay. So Oliver Platt goes up first and that's how he ends up in the plane. And then... Uh, Joe Morton is going up and he like falls down and then Kurt Russell goes to help him get up and then the plane starts to climb and they're like, we're not going to be able to keep connected to the plane. And Kurt Russell goes up because he was never supposed to actually go into the 747. And then Steven Seagal, he's like, we're not going to make it. And he pushes, Steven Seagal pushes Kurt Russell into the plane, seals the hatch and says, you are. And then he visually gets sucked out of the tube through the sky like you see steven seagal's body gets sucked into the air yeah which is great but fun fact the movie was originally written steven seagal was supposed to die regardless it was supposed to be like billed as a two-hander between kurt russell and steven seagal but it was always written to be a twist where steven seagal dies early in the movie it was originally written that the pressure in the tube uh becomes unstable and steven seagal's head explodes on camera and Steven Seagal refused because he's like, I've never died in a movie and I refuse to do it. And he held up the production of the movie until, (laughs) until they like rewrote it in a way that he was like, okay with, because they had to, he still wouldn't do it. He like left set and then they, they compromised, but, but they threatened to sue him if he didn't like finish shooting it. So like this was the compromise, but initially as part of the on-screen death, his head was supposed to explode. That was like why they kept talking about oh. the pressure dropping and like an unstable so connection. Cool. Would have been also, awesome. This is like the 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 '90s version of like Dwayne the Rock Johnson can't lose a fight to Vin Diesel or whatever on screen. Yeah. Uh, so like this was the only modern action stars are so sensitive about losing fights or dying or whatever, and it's like nope, Steven Seagal did it first. He's only ever died one more time on screen in the movie Machete. Um, and yeah, he, he just won't, he doesn't, he's Steven Seagal. <laughs> okay, so now they're on the plane. Earlier, Halle Berry like sees the passenger manifest and sees that there's an air marshal on board and she hides the passenger manifest. And that's 
not super important to the movie other than it tells you that Halle Berry's got a little, she's a little plucky. Like she's well, it tells got a little you, nerve. It tells you two things. She's got nerve and she's got brains because she's about yeah. to throw it in the trash. And then she's like, she hides it instead. Yeah. Because the, the terror, then when she tells terrorists, she got rid of it, she destroyed it. The first thing he does is go looks in the trash. So it shows like he another AK 47 in the trash. <laughs> he's like, Oh, that's where that was. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then Joe Morton has fractured vertebrae, which you remembered. He is the bomb expert. He is injured. He can't move, but he uses like a mirror to see the bomb that he guides Oliver Platt through. Um, and then the rest of this, you really got like exactly correct. They need to find the seat where the guy with the phone is. Halle Berry goes. She sees someone who looks like they may be doing something. She well, writes the number. Okay. I have to pause for a second. Go ahead. I did. There's one thing that I didn't remember that you didn't get to where like when they get in there, okay, None of the gear that they needed got transferred, number one. Mm. So, like, they were supposed to have, like, uh, a blackout. No, it's like none of their guns. Not all of their guns are there or something. No, but there was a – oh, they were going to gas everyone to knock them out. And the gas didn't get transferred because that would have been really easy, right? Everyone falls asleep on the plane. They just get the terrorists. So they didn't transfer that. And then also at the time where they're being transferred, the light uh, goes on that the hatch is open. And the terrorists send the pilot to go look for them. And and then they – they hide. Um, so anyway, like all of the plans go not the way they were supposed to. Steven Seagal is dead. The gear didn't transfer. So Kurt Russell becomes the de facto like leader of this operation. Um, and yeah, anyway. That's yes, all. he becomes the Mario, you might say, to Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Anyway, the, then they, they, they do the stuff you described. They set up cameras throughout the, the thing. They're under the plane, but they can also take the elevator to go to the top part. And they go to the top part and they like slide through on the cables. They pass video cameras down. They're trying to identify like where all the passengers are. They're trying to figure out how to defuse the bomb. It turns out that there's like a decoy part of the bomb that they spend a lot of time trying to defuse. And then they they get to the real part and it's a bunch of lasers, as you predicted. About the bomb, by the way. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, You had joked that like what like. Is this movie like Speed, where like the bomb? It was the bomb was pressurized so that if the altitude of the plane dropped too suddenly or something like that, it would just blow up. Yeah, so, there is also a moment in this movie where, um, uh, when Kurt Russell later in the movie is landing the plane, he keeps talking about how many knots he's going. He's like very yes. focused on not going too many knots. That's yes. also very similar to Speed. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So they're they're, they're defusing the bomb. Uh, Joe Morton passes out at some point. And then um, Kurt yeah, Russell. Okay. Oh, another, thing yeah. we, another thing we forgot. Um, there is a U.S. senator on the plane who's like a very high profile senator, potential yep. like future president. And he's like, I'm going to negotiate. Well, his aide is like, you should negotiate. And then he's like, I'm going to negotiate. And then he starts to negotiate and they're very scary. And then he's like, what did you get me into? This is scary. Uh, and anyway, he gets shot in the face. Um, <laughs> the second time he tries to negotiate. And everyone is really upset about that. Okay. So a couple of technical plot things yeah. that we have to talk about, like, Number one, um, the plane because like it uh, it like rips up in midair after the transfer because like they held it too long. Th- oh, oh, they they forgot to bring their, their phone onto the plane also. So the people in uh, America don't right, they know. don't have their communication equipment. Yes. So they can't so they, communicate. They end so, up communicating in Morse code yes. later. But as far as anyone in uh, in the Situation Room back on U.S. soil knows. They didn't make it. The whole plan was a bust. So that's an important plot element. The other important plot element is that it comes out that the 
main terrorist on the plane who ostensibly is doing this to free uh you know the his big leader whatever his name is wants to like nerve gas the entire east coast and kills his second in command who doesn't realize that that's the plan so like he is like way more fanatical than anyone except kurt russell anticipated that's okay Yes, that all is true. Uh, okay, so then when they don't think that the team made it, they sent four fighter planes to go reroute and eventually shoot down the uh, 747. Um, Kurt Russell signals to those four planes. He has one of the other guys signal in Morse code to one of those planes that they actually made it. Um, and so then they're like, you get 10 minutes. And so now they have 10 minutes, which takes like 20 minutes to solve this problem. Um during that 10 minutes, they cross the line after which it blowing up in the sky would be a problem anyway. Yeah. So I don't know why they gave them 10 minutes. It's actually a terrible decision. Um, but they give them 10 minutes and then um, they, they, they're like, well, we can't defuse the bomb fully because even if we defuse the remote part of the bomb, there's a guy who can set the bomb off um, with his cell phone, which is actually like a personal assistant. Yeah. And if we, um, so we have to find that guy and we have to defuse the bomb. And so then they try to identify that guy. That's the thing with Halle Berry does on her hand. She identifies the wrong guy. Yes. Can we just for a second talk about the hand thing? Because this is my favorite part. You got that so perfect. She writes on her hand 21K. And they both go, 21K, 21K. Yes. It's not complicated. They were like 21K and they turn to each other and go 21K, which is the same thing. That's supposed to be this like big realization moment. What else could you possibly? Oh my God. I loved it so much. I was dying laughing. 21K, 21K. Ah, it was so good. It was so, it was so dumb. Okay. Oh, the other big thing that we have to point out is Halle Berry in the magazine rack finds uh, a map that is written in Arabic with a bullseye. And the only thing in English it says is Washington DC and it has a bullseye on it. And it is hilarious. It is so dumb. I wrote a note about that exact, it is so dumb. I wrote, I liked that the bad guy did a crayon drawing of his plan. It's a drawing. It's like the the Home Alone plans. And it's all in Arabic, except it says Washington, D.C. with a giant bullseye. He Uh, finds it in his his Quran. Oh, right. She, she like, knocks over his coat, and his Quran falls out, and then she picks it up, and there's that thing in it. And she's like, he's going to blow up D.C. Um, Anyway, yes, hilarious. Okay, so then they, they, like, time it so that they're like, this is the guy, and... Before they go in, Kurt Russell pretends he's kidnapping her. Yeah, it's a he goes. Plan. Yeah, he, he like goes rogue, and he's like got a gun to her, and he's like, "It's not the guy in twenty one K." And then he starts frantically looking around for the bad guy because he's the only one who would recognize him. And he sees the guy, and the guy sees him, and the guy starts messing with his PDA. And Kurt Russell dives over the seats, and then he like they get into like a wrestling match, and it's the most like. All this guy needs to do is push the enter button and they're like fighting on the ground and, and he's like reaching for the enter button and Kurt Russell's foot gets caught in yes. the trays where all the food is. The reason can't. Kurt Russell can't stop him is because his foot gets caught in the place that holds the food and he can't 
free himself from a, yep. a big wide opening doesn't yep. make it i don't think he uh he pretends to kidnap her i think he uses her as a human shield it's not clear it's not really i think clear. really the intention is just like it's normal that she's walking around and so i guess like he's hiding he, behind he's her? hiding behind her it's with really... a gun and a hoodie it's weird yeah it doesn't make a ton of sense so he anyway so they have their like scramble which is like kind of funny because they're scrambling over a personal assistant yes like little device and then the guy pushes the enter button and at that exact moment, Oliver Platt slides his straw in between the two metal tips that would set off the bomb, and it pinches in place, and that prevents the bomb from exploding. And then uh, Rat and B.D. Wong and his terrible haircut storm the plane and um, shoot, shoot the terrorists. And then the main bad guy comes up, and they're like, it's over. You lost. And then he spins around and shoots the pilots. He shoots John Leguizamo, too. John Leguizamo falls down. You think John Leguizamo's dead, that he's not dead. Anyway, so he shoots the pilots, and then John Leguizamo stands up and shoots him, and then Kurt Russell goes into where the pilots are, and he's like, I've got to land this plane. And he makes Halle Berry like, read the manual, and he's like, what does it say in the manual? How many knots? How many flaps can I use? And she's like, you can use all the flaps. And I'm like, you guys are not using the word flap correctly. <laughs> okay. I don't know anything about planes, but there's no way this sentence uh, – there's no way this sentence – You can, how much flaps, any amount of flaps you want is a – is yeah. an airplane sentence that tracks. Yeah. Yep. And then he goes, why are we dragging landing gear? And he has to like lower he the landing. It's a mirror of the scene where he's flying the small plane. And then anyway, he lands the plane. Oh, he's no, supposed no, to no. land in Dulles. He's supposed to land at Dulles Airport. He goes, but he's too high. And then he goes and he lands in the small airport where he was originally going to land his small plane. And he crashes the big plane into all the little itty bitty planes. All the little planes. And the runway's not long enough. And then there's a huge pile of sand and he hits the pile of sand and it looks pretty rad. And then ambulances go and pick them up. And then he's like, Halle Berry, do you like hockey? And she's like, I only like baseball. And then they go on a date. They agree that they're going to go on a date. Yeah. The date's not included in the movie. It's like a speed, speed type plot. ending. Oh, yes. Also, I forgot at one point in the movie, um, the Secretary of Defense says, call the president. It's an executive decision now. That's yes. a good, that's a good line of the movie. Okay. Yeah. You did leave um, out all the uh, radical technology that they were using so on the plane. There's a ton of cool technology. So I put a pin in that. Remember I said? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, they use an incredible amount of gear in this movie. Um, it's all awesome. Um, they use like, they, the, Okay, so first they have the video conferences in the situation room. There's like magnetic tapes. They use like a voice match, a voice analyzer thing that determines who the guy on the plane is by his voice. They're like, that's Altar. He's this guy. Like, And they, they're like, the voice analysis matches it up perfectly. You can tell it's the same guy. Yeah. Uh, when they're flying there, there's like... Um, Sorry, I have so many notes. Yeah, Oliver Platt has to like map out how they're going to connect to the plane on his like supercomputer. Correct. So that's the Doppler system. And the Doppler system like does a 3D map of like wind tunnel stuff and like slip streams. And it's like, this yeah. is how that's all going to work. Um, then, oh yes. And then they have a visual, like a 3D schematic of the 747 that they can separate out the different cabins and seat areas and like, all the different parts that they keep using. And like, they're telling him, they're like, there are two terrorists in this area. And Kurt also like writes in his notes, like two terrorists in front cabin. And he like marks the spot where the terrorists are. So you know what it reminded me of when they were doing all that? Did you ever play the game Rainbow Six? Yeah. 
course. It was exactly like Rainbow Six where like you plot out your intel. You're like, the team is going to enter through this door and there's going to, he's going to shoot in this direction and the other guy's going to go this way and he's going to shoot in that direction. And he's like, you're like 3D mapping out where everyone's going to be. Yeah. That was a good game. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. At one point they say switching to dorsal camera system, which I wrote down. There's like separate cameras that they use for the interlock. Isn't that like a dolphin Um, term? Yeah. It's a dorsal fin. It's it's, it's on the the dorsal part. Um, All right. They use a, a, like a, some sort of like, uh, I called it a hot and cold detector (laughs) to find (laughs) the bombs where it's like beep, beep, beep. And they're like, as they get closer to the bomb, it beeps more. Yeah. They have so much. They have all the little cameras that they place that you already mentioned. They connect the cameras to a camcorder so that they can pass the video feed down into the main room where they all are. Yeah. And they explain that they have to do that. That's like how they can do remote camera stuff. Okay. So that's kind of the movie. Yeah. What did you think? On your rewatch, what did you think? On my rewatch? You were going to give it a 10. I thought I was going to give it a 10. I'm not giving it a 10. It's not a 10. It's not a 10. But I'll give it like an 8. I, okay, here's my issue. There were similar spots. I think I'm at like a seven for this movie. Here's my main issue. And I didn't say this in my recap. Oh, you say, you say your issue. You say my your issue, issue is, so this is like the directorial debut of a famous film editor. He has edited a ton of the biggest action movies. This movie is too long and too slow at points. Like, did he forget that he's an editor? Like, he was like power drunk and like got so excited that he could be a director now that he didn't edit the movie. It could have been 30 minutes shorter. It would have been way better. Yeah. So my, my feedback is exactly, it's very similar to yours. This movie is a little boring at times. Yeah. It's, it's too long. And, and it's, we thought, so we both thought like, Oh, this is going to be a dumb action movie of the nineties. Like they don't make anymore. And it's actually a lot closer to the born style of movie where this movie is like very focused on being tactical and realistic and explaining like, how they would actually do these things. Yeah. Like, they don't go in guns blazing. They spend 90% of this movie planning what they're going to do in the final five minutes of this movie. Yeah. Right? And they're like setting up the tech and the movie is like showing you all the shoe leather of like, and then they did this and then they did this because if they didn't do it this way, they wouldn't be able to do it that way. Like, and then they had to do that and they had like, and but it, to the movie's credit, it builds tension through those things. It right? does. It is much more of a thriller yes. than an action movie. Yes. Agreed. Um, but I did fall asleep and I had to watch it in two nights because I fell asleep the first night I watched yeah. it. Um, as I texted you, I got ED and I couldn't finish. Um, uh-huh. I Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was just texting you that randomly? Yeah. Sometimes uh, you just update me on like what's going on in your, uh, you know. Yeah, so it was a little bit boring um, because they, there's a lot of time spent with Kurt Russell reading the manual on how to do the thing he wants to do, which is to like the movie is trying to explain why Kurt Russell, this normal guy, quote unquote, could be an action star. Right. Which is it's it's like it's almost like this is this movie is it makes the Steven Seagal getting sucked out of a tube thematic. In that it's like, no, 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 that style of action star who's just like stupid bravado. Right, is not here. makes sense in this modern era. Um, and it is kind of the changing of the guard, uh, maybe. Yeah, you know. I could buy that. I, but it it is, so the problem is it's too long and it gets boring at times, but it is fun. It is tense. It is fun. 
the things I loved about it remain intact. I think the reason I didn't remember any of the stuff before the plane is because like it it's not totally necessary. Like the reason that we think Stephen Scott was only in this movie for five minutes is because like everything that happens with him before the plane is not memorable. Like raiding the house and being in that situation room, like you could have shorthanded like all of that. Um the 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 Kurt Russell flying the plane thing, like for as obvious as it was, I guess it's important to like show him like being like a weenie trying to fly a plane so that he can like later land the plane. But yeah, I just the landing of the plane sequence is so is so anticlimactic because at yeah. that point they've already killed all the terrorists too. So like, but the plane is still like, full okay, of nerve not gas. Crash the plane, but they could. I mean, I uh, think I think we know they're not going to. But if they do, none. All of this was for not for not for not. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. For K N O T. Yeah. Um, how many flaps can you? Use? How yeah. many flaps? Because if they crashed the plane, it would have just blown, right? Because like they they told them to disregard the executive decision of blowing it out of the sky before it crosses the line. So then they they that was the point, right? The guy shot the pilots because he's like, I'm still going to win, but he doesn't win. Um, yeah. So besides for the being too long thing, um, when they freed the main guy and all the terrorists just started screaming Allahu Akbar, and then the guy kept saying like. We are going to strike deep into the heart of the infidel. The reason I asked you if those yeah. references were in the version you watched is because you live in Europe. And the European version, uh, the U.S. version um, had that. European theatrical version was edited by the studio in order to remove references to Islam. Uh, oh, no, no. That quote's in the movie. All the people of Islam will embrace you as its chosen leader. I am your flame, the sword of Allah, and with, uh, and I will strike deep into the heart of the infidel. Yeah. We so, are the true soldiers of Islam. Our destiny is to deliver the vengeance of Allah into the belly of the infidel. Right. Another so like line. there's no there's nothing behind any of it. Like we don't know why they want to do any of this. Uh and that I think is where it gets lazy and and offensive. But uh I was wondering if it was going to be in the version you watched because you're in Europe. Wow. But um yeah. So anyway, those things are I guess the reason I would deduct points from it. I think I think if I'm if I'm imagining this as a movie that came out today, I would give it a much lower score because of that. And I think there's a part of me that's like, well, if I'm if I'm not grading it on an anti-curve for like this sort of casual insensitivity that it has, and not even insensitivity, like offensiveness uh, of that premise, if I'm kind of just saying, well, this was kind of accepted at the time, I can't hold it against them for having done a thing that lots of other movies were doing. That's right. we, talked, we, Kevin. we talked about like 24 uh, yeah. in the three Musketeers episode. That was like years later. Um, yeah. And so I don't like that that's in the movie, but it is one, like when you talk about like what I introduce this movie to my kids, right. I think the answer is no on both counts. Like, I don't think it's good enough that I would be like, you have to watch executive decision because you're better off just watching speed. It's a better movie. Right. Right. Uh, And also like, even if this movie was good, I would be very hesitant to introduce this movie for that reason, because that sort of casual, like, well, this guy is evil because he's Muslim and I don't have to explain to you. Uh, The movie doesn't even have to explain their motivations. You just know that they're uh, Muslim terrorists. Like I, that would, I'd have to have the whole conversation about like, no, this really isn't okay. Like we don't feel this way. And so I wouldn't want to introduce this movie to my kids. Yeah. 
But yeah, the 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 Islam thing is really messy in the movie, and also yeah. it's not it's not incidental. Like they say, oh, Akbar the whole time. Like the main bad guy prays. Yep. In the movie, he gets uh, a phone call in the middle of his prayers that like to find out that like they released the main yeah, terrorist. They, they talk about the Quran a bunch. Like it is not good in that way. Yeah, and um, worth noting. Just disclaimer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. A couple other things. When you were talking about the poster and you're talking about like the coloring of the poster and you were like, oh, that's like cool. Like sunset. They use that. Like <laughs> my wife was like, are they just like constantly like chasing the sunset? The entire movie, <laughs> the entire movie is like lit pink. Uh, no, wait. Yes. The answer to the question is yes. I get. They yeah. Are, they are flying from east to west. I know. But like, is it really like that? orangish pink the entire time like That's a good question. at a certain point you would think i just like i feel like the director was like this looks cool i'm gonna uh i'm gonna ride this for as long as i can uh and it's there it's there for a really long time uh, well we could we could probably answer that question in our next podcast uh pilot recall where we're <laughs> gonna ask pilots uh questions that we don't we want them to remember the answer to. I don't know. It's a bad idea. Yeah. No. That's. Uh, we'll see. The, the other. The other thing you mentioned. This is one of the other things you got slightly wrong. You said that we would meet some of the passengers on the plane, and there would maybe be like. Oh yeah. Someone hooking up, and it's like this movie pointedly. We don't meet any of the passengers on the plane except one for that woman. senator. No, the and woman who needs her pills. Yeah, and like barely. This movie could have stood to spend a little bit less time explaining all of its gear and a little bit more time of establishing the stakes of the 400 people on this plane yeah, and how they would react like the fear. Cause it's not really in the movie. Yeah, no, it's, that's true. And it's a big, it's a big plane. I might lower this movie to a six. Mm. I, oh. it, it's solid. Like it's solid. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Uh, I'm still I'm uh, keeping an eight just because I'm too nostalgic for it. Okay, so I, um, I have a few corrections. I, oh, do you have a thing? Because I have a yeah, few corrections yeah, go for ahead. the last few weeks. First, in the last in the first half of this episode. Oh wait, are we, that, are we are we going to steer out of like stuff about executive decisions specifically? Also, my first correction it stays in that. Okay. Uh, in the first half of this episode, I say that Channing Tatum was Jesus in GI Joe two, and he's actually Seagald in GI Joe two. Uh, and the reason is. The studio really wanted him to be in G.I. Joe 2. And he was like, I he didn't want to be in G.I. Joe 1. Right. But he had a three-picture deal that had like locked him into doing it. And so he had to do it. And then they were like, cool, that movie made $300 million. Come do G.I. Joe 2. And he's like, absolutely not. And they were like, do G.I. Joe 2. And he's like, absolutely not. And so then they finally agreed. He's like, I will do the movie if I die in the first 10 minutes. I never want to do any of these movies again. Nice. So then they put him in for the first 10 minutes. But you so told me he was resurrected. Made- I thought that he was. I misremembered the story. I okay. only partially recalled it, it turned out. <laughs> and then they they literally put him in the first 10 minutes of the movie so that they could advertise that he is in the movie. Yeah. So they, they literally Seagalled him. Like, yeah. Uh, well, it's a tactic. Like, yeah. Um, I like that. And he replaced his character with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Who probably so. now would also not be in G.I. Joe. Um, okay. A few things I just want to run through uh, that I found both listening to the first half and then like in doing a little bit of research. I just think it's funny. I think it's funny that when you were reading the, like looking at the back of the box, you said um, that Kurt Russell was in a smart Oxford shirt with his collar popped when it turns out it was a tuxedo shirt. And so that's why the collar looked like that. Um, 
<laughs> it made me laugh re, uh, re-listening to it, knowing what it was. Because like you specifically said his collar was puffed. It was a tuxedo shirt. Okay, a few um, bits about this movie. We also talked about uh, how this was Oce- like it was Oceanic Airlines, and we're like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Oceanic Airlines is a thing that ends up getting you. It's a fictional airline that's used in several films and television programs. So before Lost, most notably, it was executive decision. The reason that it ended up getting used in a lot of other movies is because um, Executive Decision uh, branded actual 747s with the logo and then flew them in the air uh, and got a lot of footage. And so it was footage that they ended up sharing with a bunch of other movies. That's so interesting. So they just created all this like B-roll of Oceanic Airlines. Yep. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. And then they just like like anyone who needed uh, an airline – you know, for a movie, they just use the footage. So I thought that right. was cool. And presumably the big airlines don't want you to do a movie where their planes yes. crash or blow up or whatever. Yeah. So the B-roll came. So huh. the reason that Oceanic is in so many movies is because of executive decision. Uh, Lost doesn't, I don't think, I think Lost kind of took ownership of it. They made like a different logo. And so I don't think it was specifically carried through to that. I think it was more just because it was already a concept at the time. Um and also interesting, totally unconnected to the reason that, uh, although this connects back to Hook, the reason that Lost is Oceanic 815, which I never knew until I was reading about this, is because 815 is the time that Peter Pan sets the clock that like helps them fly in the original Peter Pan movies. That's so lost. It's so, a little bit up its own ass. Yeah. Um, a lot. It's so far up its own ass. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's, I, we rewatched it. The whole series it's great um it was oh so it was in a bunch of uh movies other movies it was used in uh bridget jones the edge of reason for love of the game uh there's a movie called survivor i don't know what that is <clears throat> uh and then uh downsizing with uh matt damon this is interesting oh. while not explicitly mentioned within the film some of its props suggested the flight was meant to be an oceanic airlines at one point during the production and then i guess like they decided not to use it but you can still see props of oceanic airlines <laughs> throughout the movie so i thought that was uh good and then some steven seagal uh facts or just steven seagal in general um so specifically uh john leguizamo wrote uh in his um memoir that he uh was really annoying on set. I don't know if he was making it that he was really annoying on set, but he was really annoying on set. And um, uh, Steven Seagal uh, was really aggressive towards the stuntmen uh, during the filming. And John Leguizamo like laughed at him. And Steven Seagal got so mad, he knocked John Leguizamo against a brick wall. Because <laughs> he was like really mad that John Leguizamo was like laughing at him, um, and then also John Leguizamo, he was like doing bits the whole time because he was a comedian, even though it was like not a necessarily comedic movie. So the scene where um, they go to the top of the plane and they have to like um, shimmy shimmy across those uh, wires, or else they'll fall through the top. Uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell has to take off his shoes to shimmy. And in the movie, John Leguizamo goes something like makes a joke about how his feet smell. And apparently Kurt Russell was so mad about that, that he got into a shoving match with John Leguizamo about that joke. So John Leguizamo got into like physical altercations with a number of people (laughs) on this movie. Um, But Steven Seagal, uh, if you go to his uh, Wikipedia page, there's an entire section called allegation and lawsuits. And there is 
early 90s, 95 lawsuit, 2010 lawsuit, 2011 lawsuit, 27, 2017 allegations, 2018 allegations and investigations, 2020 federal securities violation settlement, victim of attempted extortion, and then conflicts with stuntmen is the last one. And that is where it makes reference to ridiculous decisions. So Steven Seagal, a real ass, apparently. Totally <laughs> Wait. <laughs> um, so that is some good Steven Seagal stuff. Uh, and That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I have to do I have to do a mea culpa section. Um, last week, there's two two sort of big mistakes. The first is uh, smaller, maybe. Uh, I said that Ewan McGregor was Irish and he's Scottish. You know, I had that thought when you said it, but I didn't want to uh, sound dumb. Again, I'm new here, <laughs> so I'm sorry I, to all the Irish and Scottish people who are maybe offended by that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's Scottish, but then I would be the one who sounded dumb if I'd corrected you and was wrong. So I let it go. Uh, and the other thing is, I was so caught up in my how perfect my prediction was about the cell phone and the carrier pigeons that I missed that. You said in the first half about this movie that was made in 1998, whatever year it was, or 1993. Three Musketeers or Executive Decision? Three Musketeers. Okay. The first half of that episode, you said, if this movie was made 15 years later, it would have like bullet time and be like steampunk or whatever. And I didn't point out that in 2011, there was a steampunk Three Musketeers movie with Gatling guns and airships like ChatGPT thought the 1993 movie had. Uh, that also, I believe, has bullet time in it. Yeah, in the trailer, at least, because I watched the trailer after. Uh, we totally missed all of those three. And, and that, is, that is a real my bad, because I was supposed to do the research. And I didn't. I knew that that movie existed, and I didn't really look into it very much or bring it up. Uh, it's not just that that movie existed. And it's, it is exactly what you said it would be. Yeah. Almost exactly as far away as you said it would be. Like, you deserve credit. It was a really good prediction. Also, a really good prediction because I have no memory of that movie existing. So I wasn't pulling from, like, having seen that movie or knowing what. It was just a guess. Um, <clears throat> there were a lot of subsequent adaptations of The Three Musketeers that we just totally did not mention. Yeah. Um, no, but the really important one is that. You explicitly said if there was one made 15 years after the 1993 one, it would have those things. There was one made 18 years after that had those things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, incredible call. Incredible okay. call. We got to. I'm doing one of these. Your, uh, give me your flowers. Thank you. Um, okay, fine. Circling yeah. back to your decision, because I feel like I do this sometimes. I want to stand by my eight more firmly and just say, yes, it has its problems. Yes, it's not perfect. I, I really enjoyed rewatching it. I do think it is a uh, really fun version of what this type of movie is. And I'm happy I rewatched it. And for that reason, I'm giving it an eight. Is it perfect? No. Does it have problems? Yes. I, is eight maybe a little inflated? Potentially. But I'm going to stand by it. I really enjoyed yeah. watching it. It was great. I'm not trying to talk you off your eight. I'm, I am going to end at a six, I think. But that's solid. Like, I, I enjoyed watching it over two nights because I fell asleep in the middle. <laughs> uh, it, and, like, it is tense. Like, I appreciate that it is tense. And yeah. I, I, it's still a type of movie we don't get very many of. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, no, it was, no, it was fun. Stuff. It was tense. It, too long. That's my biggest uh, complaint. Too long. Yeah. Should have edited. You are an editor. 
That's like your whole Speaking thing. Speaking of things that are going to be too long, this episode is going to be way too long. So uh, whose turn is it? My turn? Yeah, your turn to nominate. Because I stole your turn. Technically, you might have two turns, but let's just start. Oh, yeah. You made an executive decision to steal my turn. Yeah. And uh, now I maybe get two turns in a row, and I'm going to use them strategically. Uh, so I'm going to jump from uh, Halle Berry, who's good in this movie. We didn't talk about her very much, but she is good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Steven Seagal. Oh, so Halle, Halle Berry won like an MTV's, you know, Viewer's Choice Award for in this movie. Steven Seagal was a nominee for Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor, but lost to uh, Marlon Brando in The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, that's funny. It would have been funnier if he lost to like the tube of the plane that launched him into space. <laughs> I mean, he did, but not for the Razzies. Just, just life. Uh, I am going to jump. I'm going to follow Halle Berry's career, and I'm going to jump to maybe the original comic book movie, oh. non-Superman division. No, it's not the original comic book movie because there's plenty of other comic book movies. But maybe edit that out. But we're going to jump to the X Men. The 2000 movie. I remember really liking the movie, but I don't remember anything. So I'm going to go uh, first next time. But we'll talk about it. Uh, X-Men. This has been Executive Decision. Great movie. Executive Decision. X. Oh, yeah. That's that's actually the connection. Not Halle Berry. It's the X. <laughs> it's the X in the title. Yeah.